Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. It's me, the host, Ray Benjamin. I have some news. The podcast will now be updated every other week, every other Sunday, instead of every Sunday. Um, I did this basically because I'm a busy person. (laughs) If you don't know, I'm a graphic designer. In addition to running this podcast, in addition to being a screenwriter, and I've just been blessed and had so many opportunities um, in other fields that I I currently have like five jobs right now. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's hard for me to do the podcast every week on top of my full-time job and my other you know side jobs but I love this podcast and I'm so grateful to um all the fans that I have I'm literally still shocked every day that people listen to this (laughs) that I do have fans but people you know have been requesting the pins people dm me on Instagram saying they love the show people email me so thank you so much to everyone who does that I really appreciate it and I really try to reply to everyone who reaches out to me because I like I, I I'm shook every day that people like this show really <laughs> and thank you um please keep spreading the word and subscribe rate and review because that's how the show is able to grow and able to be um you know boosted up in algorithms and whatnot is by the number of people who subscribe to the show and rate the show so if you love it please take the five seconds out of your time and subscribe rate and review and tell your friends to do the same so yeah we will be on every other Sunday from now until the foreseeable future if things settle down and I can go from having to from having like seven jobs to like maybe two or three um I can bump it back up to doing it weekly but for now every other week and thank you to all the listeners of the show let's get it started So thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Today I have Daniel G. Wilson on the show. He is a musician and uh, I just want, he wanted to be on the show and I wanted to have him to talk about his experiences making, you know, punk music and music that's not traditionally, you know, played by black people and see how that experience is for him and expose him to some new fans hopefully so thank you daniel for being on the show thank you for having me yeah so tell the audience a little bit about your band and about yourself uh well uh i i'm in a band called john crow uh it's spelled j-o-n-c-r-o one word uh uh, j- side note, it's not a Jim Crow reference. Oh. <laughs> I get that. You'd be surprised. Really? I get that a lot. It's it, like it's it, it's not a Jim Crow reference. I'm Afro-Jamaican. So in Jamaica, we call, you know, the vultures you see around like North America. Yeah. Yeah. So in Jamaican Patwa, we call vultures John Crow. Oh, okay. And so that's what it is. And there's no... There's no definite, like, phonetic spelling of it, so it could be spelled John Crow, like, you know, like, John and then Crow, 
or how we spelled it, which was kind of cool. So that's great. Why did you choose to name your band after like a vulture? That's interesting. Um, well, uh, I mean, various reasons. I mean, it, we're we're kind of a we're, we're a punk band, so like you know, it sounds kind of cool and dangerous, but and also. <laughs> Uh, because, like, uh, you know, there aren't really a lot of Jamaican cultural references in, like, rock music. Like, no other band is going to have a name like ours. So I figure it's both original. Uh, if you Google us for the only thing that comes up with that name. And uh, outside of, you know, like, other Jamaica, uh, like Jamaican stuff. So. Cool. Yeah. So what got you interested in punk music? As you're saying, your, you know, Jamaican heritage, which is not traditionally associated with that sort of music. So how did you uh, discover punk and what made you get into it? Um, well, uh, uh, that's a weird story. So what got me into punk, uh, so growing up, growing up, like I'm all growing up, like I'm also like, I also like, I was born and live in Canada currently. I also live in Canada currently. And so, you know, like, you're living in, you're living outside Jamaica, you're exposed to a lot of, say, uh, a lot of different, a lot of different types of music outside of, say, you know, like reggae, uh, calypso, R&B rap, you know, the, you know, stuff you hear in the Caribbean or something like that. So, I mean, it was on TV and whatnot. And, uh, I had a cousin, I have an older cousin, uh, who, uh, she's like nine years older than me. She was really in, she liked rock music, right? So, she liked like punk, or, like she liked like more mainstream punk, you know, like a seven forty one and Avril Lavigne. And they were oh, popular. Is that is that considered punk? <laughs> I mean, it, it is, but I mean, for for my community, I mean, that's kind of like entry levels, entry level yeah. shit, right there. <laughs> and, but you know, this was during the time when much music. She was a teenager at the time. I was like four or five years old, so she was like essentially my best friend when I was a little kid, and like I kind of idolized her. So because of her, I got exposed like video games, comic books, weird movies and shit. And so it's, and so in punk, I started listening to that like through her. I didn't really catch on to me until I got older, obviously, you know, when you're a teenager, you get into music. And then my family had always liked rock music. We're kind of shouting non-traditionalists and stereotypes. So my mom liked Enya and Bob Dylan and crap like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up listening to that, and my brother liked Phil Collins, uh, and mixed with my cousin. So by the time I actually got, became like a teenager, I already knew about rock music enough, and I I was in the mood, and I was kind of angsty, so I liked I, I I liked harder stuff. So you know, I just it kind of spiraled from there, and then at sixteen I started playing guitar, and well, it's, I haven't looked back since. That's really cool. So I don't know if you've heard of the Afro punk festival that takes place in America. But um, I just went to a film screening at a museum in LA. uh, That was an Afro punk documentary. And if you haven't seen it, it's a really great documentary, but it's basically about, you know, kids in America, black kids who were listening to punk music and like, really going to hardcore shows and underground scene and sort of their experiences. Um, A lot of the kids felt sort of alienated from their own communities, you know, because, you know, they might be 
having spiky blue hair and like their family thought they were weird, but then they went to like the show and it was filled with white kids and the white kids thought they were weird. And so, like, they, they didn't really fit in anywhere. Is that something you could relate to or was your experience different and you felt sort of, it sounds like your family was more open-minded. So maybe they didn't think it was weird that you were into punk. Well, uh, I mean, first off, I, I say, I mean, like, I, I, I've seen after, I've seen many, I've, I've watched, I'm, I'm also a nerd, so, like, I've seen, like, a, I've seen, like, a lot of punk documentaries, Afropunk included, it's, a, it's it, it kind of, like, it's kind of, it's very inspiring, I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, <laughs> my family is, uh, is, they're, they're very, they're supportive in, the, in a weird way, like, they're not gonna be. They're not gonna essentially say I'm. They they they've never told me like why are you playing this like crazy white people music. <laughs> music. I have gotten that though. Like I have grown up around like the Jamaican the general Jamaican black community, for example, in Canada, as well as like I spent a quarter of my life in Jamaica, and uh, like I can tell you they they don't understand this stuff over there. Yeah. <laughs> if if I. I'm not, well, I'm not a very, like, visual, like, you would not look at me and think, oh, this dude's a punk rocker, I don't, like, dress or have a spiky blue hair, but, like, I, let's just say, there, I, I listen to the music a lot, and uh, you could kind of tell, so let, I, I don't do that over there, because I think I'm strange, my cousins in Jamaica think I'm odd, but they do like the fact that, you know, they do kind of, they can dig some of the music I make, uh, and, uh, well, uh, my fam, let's just say my, when my family has only recently gotten used to that fact that I basically rip my shirt off whenever I'm on stage. <laughs> my sister would used to say she was traumatized whenever she saw pictures of me, like from my performances. <laughs> oh my gosh! They, 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 yeah, they, they're encouraging, but they're just like, put on a shirt, Daniel. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that's how I felt when I saw Afropunk because, you know, me, I'm like not a punk at all. (laughs) I could, I understood when they were talking about some of the ideals. I know one man was talking about sort of how punk is a DIY sort of lifestyle and how, you know, they all lived in these punk houses and supported one another and, you know, they weren't very materialistic or wasteful if they needed something they would just sort of make their own stuff and he likened that to the black community was saying like if black people were more DIY and punk like and just did stuff for themselves a lot of problems could be solved and I agree with a lot of stuff that way but for me the music like I'm a very calm person so it's (laughs) too aggressive for me (laughs) (laughs) too much but like i i'm all into you know people expressing themselves and that's to me what punk is is just self-expression and sort of non-conformity and i think that no matter if you're a punk or not anyone can sort of appreciate that you just the freedom to do what you want and to you know not worry about what other people think so i think that's great I, I, I'm in full agreement. <laughs> so do you, like, how crazy do your shows get? Because, you know, these punk shows are, like, mosh, having mosh pits and fighting. Do, you, do any fights break out at your shows? Um, 
Well, I have, well, thankfully, like, a, a, when you actually go to, like, punk shows, like, a, a, like, a large amount of the community is very, we're, we're very friendly. We're, we're, we're nice people, despite what you might see on stage. <laughs> uh, so fights don't normally break out, at least with the community, at least with the community up here, like in, in the in Mississauga, Toronto, that general area. But we're, we usually tend to keep the people who start fights out of the shows. But like, I mean... <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, any, if anyone starts to start anything, you know, there's like ten, there's like a dozen people who will, who will, uh, who are ready to end it. But <laughs> uh, mosh pits, yeah, we have a lot of mosh pits. Like the shows can get really crazy up here. Like uh, I've had, I, I've, I've had like people like falling down onto like on, on onto the stage from from like the audience because we don't really use stages half the time. So like you'll have people like say to like seventy kids crammed into a basement. And then we're playing uh, loud music. Everyone's fro- moshing about, froshing, and then like, and people are jumping off of like uh, off of chairs and off and onto the ceiling and hang rafters. It's pretty funny. Oh wow, that's a lot, a lot of energy. So you know, I think stereotypical when you think of punks, you think of like people are just lounge around. I guess like <laughs> that's where the name <laughs> punk comes from. But you have to. You have to practice, obviously. You're a musician, so like, are punks really into practicing their music, or you sort of just do as you please? I I I don't know how a punk band would practice. Well, it depends. Like, uh, so there's many different genres and subgenres and sub like cultures within punk and different eras of it. But it's all you could all call it punk, right? So like. You do have the punks that obviously you, you you can imagine like the Sex Pistols type punks like they don't really practice that yeah, much. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know, like Sid Vicious. I hate Sid Vicious because like he basically like for a large amount of a particularly white set of like punk rockers of the set, he's like, ah, oh, this dude can't play his instrument. Okay, whatever. Instead of like, it's like he wasn't even being artsy. Like, yeah, it's fine if you can't play your instruments, like a lot of great music is made by people who can't play, but they're purposely trying to make art he was just a like a heroin addict who didn't know how to play <laughs> a bass but like uh but no like a large amount of the punk bands i know and listen to around the world like they all practice like some of the best musicians i've ever seen in my entire life are in like punk bands like they play they, i've never seen musicians play so fast play so precise and like if you want to see like if you ever want to go to like a live concert right and have like ten, like five bands each play and like all end at exact in exactly like 16 minutes. I don't mean 60 and 30 seconds, be 16 minutes. Go to a hardcore punk concert. You will be blown away. They'll play like 20 songs in 16 minutes. What? And <laughs> on time. Wow. And yeah. you will sorry, go on. No, I'm saying you you you've shattered my stereotypes. I was thinking of like the Sid Vicious style of punk. So <laughs> no, nobody likes the Sid Vicious style of punk. Like the only punks, honestly, like punk is just that we don't judge you if you don't if you're not as technically proficient. But usually people practice, so it doesn't last long. Like there's a reason why post punk and post hardcore exist because all these kids who couldn't play at first, you know who couldn't play at first and they were played simple music as they got better. They just changed, they, they just evolved the genre. Mm. 
So what, I guess, subcategory does your band fall in? <laughs> we, uh, we fall into a few. Uh, uh, I, it's, we're, we, I mean, it's taken us a while. Like, you could call us, I guess, a mix of, like, noise rock. I, I label us on our band to, like, noise rock or garage rock. But, like, we blend, like, noise rock, uh, garage rock, um, you know, old school classic style punk. Like, uh, not the Sex Pistols musicianship, but that kind of, like, that kind of sound uh with um a bit of reggae a bit of post-hardcore a bit of like emo and not the emo you're thinking of either (laughs) there's a older far better genre of emo from the 1980s and early 90s before like cry before these crying white boys got in and it started like dashboard confessional yeah that's like what i think of as emo (laughs) dashboard confessional that's like this no, nah, like the like the, some of the craziest bands I've seen are like would be are like emo bands, but like eighties style emo bands. So like mm. excellent musicianship, melodic, very melodic and like very personal lyrics without mm. the machismo associated with like hardcore punk. So you basically have like the like the nicest guys playing like very fast, intense music, but they would not be beating each other up in the in the in a mosh. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. And what about your like lyrical content? What do you guys focus on? Well, I basically I, I base on the on the primary like songwriter lyricist. So like I like I it it ranges. Like I like stories. All of our songs are basically like could be called stories, and they range from like you know like love songs, uh, love songs to just kind of describing them an emotional state such as being tired. Uh, and they all come from a range of me telling or describing like a story or some kind of event, like um, a third person perspective. Uh, sometimes I incorporate personal elements into like how I feel like we have one song where I kind of express my pansexuality. Yeah. For example, called the Val Dakota Brown, where it's about being in love with someone who is non-binary uh, but at the same time, the song, it's like, it, their gender does not matter. It's just, you know, they're, they're amazing. So mm. I'm in love with them because I don't, I don't, like, gender doesn't matter to me when I fall in love. So it, it tends to range really for whatever I, I think about. Like, we have that song. And then we have another song where I describe, like, a, gym, a, a story in Jamaica about a demonic cow, rolling oh. cow, <laughs> hunting a guy down, like, about to kill him. And another song we just released called Libertador, where I uh, sing about like how much I love, like what it feels like to be in love, like the feeling of being in love with someone, but done from the perspective of like a Latin American revolution. Oh, wow. (laughs) Those are some interesting uh, topics. You're a very great lyricist. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I... (laughs) You, you have there's also one I should probably mention I, I wrote one other song where like I basically like wrote it inspired by the death of Virginia Woolf where a guy's girlfriend or wife uh the love of his life like she drowns uh, she drowns uh, from an episode of mental illness and uh I, I basically was inspired by Virginia Woolf as I just said so he actually donated all the money from that to like uh to mental illness and she did some band so, so, so yeah that's wonderful I just think of uh, like when I listen to punk songs, like a lot of it, like I said, it's aggressive, it's shouting. So I'm wondering, are people, I I sort of liken it to hip hop, like what I 
like to listen to as well is like sometimes people are just listening to the beats and the lyrics are horrible. Uh, does that happen a lot in punk music? Because I feel just from watching various documentaries, not just Afropunk, and like I do like all sorts of music. Like I wouldn't call myself a punk, but sometimes I'll listen to it. It's like the lyrics might be good, but because the the music is so fast yeah. or aggressive, it can sort of get lost in translation. Do you find that? Yes and no. Like I mean, it like again, like there's so many different subgenres and categories and. Not all bands are too loud. Well, some of the better ones are, but like, it, it depends. Like, I mean, for a lot of punk rock, the idea is like it's an expression of emotion, right? Like the inherent the inherent value of like the loud and aggressive music is you're expressing a type of emotional state in a way. Like you're getting it out in a way that's very urgent. Like you see something that inspires you. You know, whether it be the world around you, your life your emotions, politics, anything. And instead of like, I feel bad about this, or I feel thing, or I don't do anything, like you think this makes me angry. So this makes me angry, so me angry, I want to get this out in X amount of time or whatever, as much intensity. And so, I mean, yes, the lyrics can get kind of smothered by the noise and by the screaming, but at the same time, we also have like liner notes. Like the, yeah. the best liner notes I've ever seen in my life are always in punk albums because like they have so much to say but you have but you actually have to put in the effort to read it so like you get the emotional content of like i would say i hate the government or for example i am being oppressed because of my race gender sexuality or i just have a broken heart you express this in such a raw emotional state and then you get the liner notes and you can read them yeah, that's actually a great point. Because when I, I guess people think of sort of traditional punk, you'd mentioned it before, it sort of can be very like a hyper masculinity sort of feel. And you were talking about how you were talking about, you know, your issues with pansexuality and love and all these issues. So do you feel that punk, even with sort of traditional masculine energy that they're receptive to your more I guess progressive lyrics and other sorts of topics for your songs well like again like a large even my own politics like is an influence of punk like a large amount of punk particularly as time went on like in England you had you still had certain political bands like even the Sex Pistols they had, you know, like, God Save the Queen, which they're essentially satirizing the English government and calling the Queen a fascist. Or you had, like, um, The Clash with their, like, legend. Joe Strummer is, like, a legend in terms of, like, just in terms of trying to, like, a genuinely politically active punk. Mm-hmm. And who inspired the musicianship as well as the Dead Kennedys at Jello Biafra. Dead Kennedys also, like, and they had their Afropunk band was, like, their drummer, D.H. Malegro, is a legendary Afropunk um, like in Elizabeth Afropunk, where they were very political, like they would satirize like the Republican government, you know, like uh, mis- like treat how people treat the poor, police brutality, and uh, with satire and very dark comedy in various ways. And uh, so, like a large amount of punk has, oh, punk has always had a somewhat progressive bend as well as the as the fun, kind of like how hip hop 
starts off like start off as like a party, but in of itself, it's had the politics and the party has always been coincided. Mm-hmm. So with punk, I mean, uh, punk has always been progressive. So I can't necessarily say that like like a lot of the audiences they are very receptive to the music, to the music, to the music at least to the music and the lyrics because a large amount of the punks I've met are range in ethnicity, sexuality, gender. Um, a large amount of the bands, like the, the particular punk bands in Toronto and Mississauga, they, most of them have like, are either are usually racially diverse, gender diverse, sexuality diverse. Like they're very like, uh, punk is very progressive, for the most part is very progressive. That being said, I can't deny that you still have, is in everything. You still have the, still the elements of like the, you know, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, but you still have the elements of those like, that those white boys who tend to think they're punk yeah. and they uh, act like <laughs> and they soak up all the attention. You still have those type of idiots, but like when you actually like get into like outside of them, you, you see the real diversity and the you know progressiveness that actually exists. Oh, that that's great. It's beautiful. So I wanted to ask you sort of about the commercialization of punk. Like you'd mentioned like how you were exposed to punk through bands like Avril Lavigne and some 41 that aren't really punk. And then I think of even the Afro punk festival, which, you know, spawned out of the documentary, which was actually, you know, genuine, but now I like an Afro punk to sort of like a Coachella sort of thing where everyone's just going there for fashion shows basically and a lot of the bands aren't even punk anymore so do you think that the commercialization is good because I guess it exposes more people to the culture even if it's a watered down version or are you against sort of like the mainstream uh, images associated with punk now Uh, I mean half and half but like i'm i'm a bit i lean more against it like because the thing was if you look if you watch like a lot of documentaries particularly like with like the punk rockers like it's funny how it like hardcore punk particularly you had all these kids you started it who were basically like the outcasts like they the men women of different like races sexuality genders they would start um they they would they this these are kids who were inspired by like you know the, the like the earlier punks and they got into it and they did this stuff and yeah there was moshing and some violence but you didn't have the idiots in yet and then suddenly it gets on the news and then now you have all these like these jocks like <laughs> these dumb jocks who like think oh it's just punching people so I'll go to a punk rock show and punch people and now you get all these idiots these misogynistic homophobic like racist idiots coming in thinking that oh you know like uh it's just violence and it's just what shirtless white dudes being violent to each other and they don't under have a be no being of the politics or anything else and it just messes up so for me when i think of the commercialization of punk rock i think of that where like you have all these people who used to be the only gate was you had to be a certain type of temperament to be in there and you at least had to be nice now you have all these kids who think oh okay, I mean, I can just dye my hair purple and then I can go to a, a, I'm a punk rock because it's in fashion and they don't, and and they're just basically there 
they bring the same problems that ancient culture always brings. At the same time, there are some benefits because, like, I mean, kids who don't have access to certain communities, for example, like, uh, you know, like, say, I mean, I spent a quarter of my life in Jamaica, for example, like, while there, there's no punk rock scene. And, like, it's not, I, I lived in the country. Like, I can't really go down to Kingston and, like, hopefully find some Ramones record, you know what I mean? <laughs> so the fact that, like, I can go on the internet and, like, see, I can't, thankfully I have the internet, but, like, the fact that, like, I might be able to see, like, a mainstream band and some cartoon broadcast and I'm, like, you know, their the local television station or something, best indication, like, that kind of can inspire you to look more. So it's a catch-22. You get the chance that a lot of people who are, who would bring negatives in, who are only in there for the fashion, for the, you know, the, the gram or for because it's in vogue, but then you also get the possibility that a lot of people who genuinely are punks, you know, like you generally are a punk, but you just have not heard it yet. So it's a catch-22. Yeah, that was cool. I like what you said. You're a punk, but you just haven't heard it yet. So what are some bands, I guess, that inspire you? I want people to come away from this episode and think, you know, Maybe if they don't know about punk or have stereotypes, if they can go and listen to some bands and sort of broaden their horizons. So obviously your band, but what are some <laughs> <laughs> what are some other bands you could recommend to people that are great punk music? Um, uh, so this is like classic bands or modern bands? Both. Let's do both. Well, um, some classic bands, some classic bands. I mean, Pugazi, uh, fronted by, by the like punk legend Ian Mackay, uh, from Washington, the originated Washington, DC. They like, if you like punk rock and you like want to see the full spectrum of what it can be and DIY what it can birth, like you have to know who Ian Mackay is and like Pugazi minor threat, uh, they are one of my favorite, two of my favorite bands. He's one of my, like, inspirations in terms of, like, DIY and kind of community building. Uh, they're, like, they're, and they're just an, they're just amazing musicians. Rites of Spring, the first emo band by Guy or Guy Picotto of Fugazi. This was the band, before, his band before Fugazi. Uh, they, like, impassioned lyricism, excellent melodic musicianship, real thrashy and noisy but like just amazing like people used to cry at their shows in like washington dc in, in 1987 wow and like it, it was that intense but again like it was all the intensity but none of the macho posturing of like hardcore punk because a lot of the hardcore punk kids they just got tired of it of it right because you also had all these other jock types coming in so you know uh so that was their way of changing it. So that's two classic bands, like three classic bands right there. Um, Pure Hell, uh, one of the first like Afropunk bands, like all black, like punk bands. Uh, under greatly underappreciating their time. Bad Brains go without saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reggae influenced punk rock, hardcore punk rockers. Um, and then like into modern bands. I could like sit here for like five days and describe modern <laughs> bands, but like, I mean, okay. One, one other band also I'll quickly mention is uh, Los Crudos. Uh, 
fronted by Martin Surrendigai. So Martin Surrendigai is a legend in the Latino punk community. He, uh, his band Los Creos and his other, his uh, later um, uh, LGBT thing by queer core band, Limp Wrist, are like greatly uh, influential bands in like the hardcore and like punk rock community. He's a great community leader uh, based in Chicago. Like I recommend anyone to check him out. You will be inspired. Um, modern, modern bands, um, Piper Maru from my hometown of Mississauga, Ontario. Uh, it non-binary fronted, uh, deeply political, just really cheeky and sassy hardcore punk. Uh, um, uh, you have a band called Shit from Toronto. <laughs> they, so their name is, uh, is an anagram. It's like S-H-I-T, but it doesn't stand for anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's whatever you make of it. So yeah, shit uh, hosted by, um, fronted by uh, Toronto scene legend Ryan Tong. Uh, he also runs a record shop called Faithoid, uh, which is, if anyone's in Toronto, I recommend getting a record there. They have like the coolest, rec- they also host coolest records and they also host like DIY shows in their, in their back room. Wow. So uh, I recommend going there. Uh, a band called Terry Green, again, from my hometown, Mississauga. Some of my best friends, they make, like, screamo-style uh, music or scrams. Uh, it's very it's deeply melodic. The lyricism is, like, it's very trippy. Uh, the lead singer, Adrian Mishlevius, Mishlevius is a uh, really talented lyricism and, like, screaming vocalist. Uh, very um, tight, very tight, uh, concise punk rock, but also very expansive, like, your brain will like kind of explode listening to listening to like their albums. Uh, who else is there? Oh, uh, what other band would I recommend? I also recommend like the Great Great White. They're a band. They're an all black uh, band from um, uh, New York. Uh, in on the more softer emo side, they are uh, indie rocky, all indie rock sounding almost. They are. Like their album, uh, The Suburbs Have Ruined My Life, is uh, one of my favorite albums of the past like two years. Oh, okay. The lyricism on that album is amazing. They even have a song called Black Enough, which basically describes like the experience of every single Afropunk in the world. <laughs> like, seriously, I can't recommend those bands enough. Uh, I can't recommend those bands enough. Like, those bands are amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm going to check out those bands for sure. And I guess I wanted to also ask, what can, what are some lessons that you think that the Black community, you know, any marginalized community, LGBTQ community, immigrants, anyone could take, I guess, from a punk lifestyle and apply it to um, those groups because I, I think there's a connection there and I think most people probably don't make that connection but I mean you spoke about it a little bit about how a lot of punks are community organizers but how would you like sum up you know the punk sort of DIY lifestyle and apply it to I guess oppression if you could well I mean I guess I can I guess I could kind of I well for in terms of like, huh? Okay. So, in terms of the DIY lifestyle of punk rock, you have it's a very interesting thing, right? So, 
as a as as a sentient child of the child of immigrants, the child of immigrants, as um as both an LGBT person as a black person, like I can honestly say, like for example, say in Jamaica, for example, uh, DIY is just a way of life. Like for most people, you have to do it yourself. Like my cousins didn't hire my I have cousins who didn't hire like an electrician to wire their house. They did it themselves, and it and it and their house hasn't burned down in like two decades. Uh, you know, like you have to fix your car, you fix it yourself. Uh, re- recycling. DIY is something that a lot of immigrants, immigrant families, uh, particularly people from like, uh, you know, like um, non-white countries have to have to do it because, you know, you come from places that don't often, you're not often rich, you don't often have a lot, so you have to make do what you have. And uh, for a lot of what you have, and so that I, that's very similar to the punk rock ethos of you make do what you have, you know, you learn to play your instruments, you work with your community, you grassroots. You uh, develop skills. You need to host a show. You learn how to do it yourself. You learn how to, you know, manage your own band. You learn how to uh, work things. You know how to build up. You can. I've seen punk rockers even build their own venues out of like abandoned warehouses. That Ooh, wow. I've seen punks like convert like two by fours into like working like stages and stuff like that. I've seen. I, I myself, for example, even recently hosted like a a festival uh, dedicated to showcase like uh, punks of color in like p- people of color, like the punk community, punk and rock community. And like, I did that myself. Like I learned, I taught myself to run, organize and do an event. Like punk rock can apply to like, you know, these com- different communities because it inspires you to do things yourself. Like it inspires you to both fight, to fight for your place. You know what I mean? And to do anything, like you can do anything. You don't need to have like, you don't need to have the support of the wider society. You know what I mean? You can, even if you're marginalized or oppressed, you can still find a way to work within your community to do anything because you don't need, you don't need say the man to support you or tell you what to do. You can learn how you can figure out how to do it yourself and do it. Punk can teach you just how inspire you and teach you to, in spite of anything that you can do anything and that you, you should, if you, feel the need to that's amazing I 100% agree and it seems like I think a lot of people wait on permission I guess like you were saying waiting for the man or someone to tell you you can do things but you know punks just do it themselves and I feel like punk or not we all should take that lesson and if you don't know something learn and have a community where you guys can support one another and help each other and teach each other and if you have your community you don't really need you know outside influence pretty much if your community is self-sufficient and I think everyone should could take a lesson from that agreed well, I um, can you tell the listeners like uh, your website, any sort of if you have some new songs you want to promote or where the people can find you on Facebook or Instagram or anything? <laughs> well, uh, we oh, OK, well, you can find us at a uh, joke. I, I actually recently got started, got my band after like three years I finally got us an Instagram account. Oh what? Yeah, you need to have that Instagram. I'm telling you. <laughs> Great. <problem. laughs> 
like I'm a you know it's just like like I, I just never saw the point until like now like I, I, my friends are like Daniel why don't you get an Instagram I'm like okay fine I finally gave in <laughs> uh, so yeah you can find us on uh, John Crow so J O N J O N J O N C R O one word and you can find us literally if you Google us we're the only we're the first thing for two pages that comes up. Wow, that's some like good SEO, right? That's like free SEO. People, companies pay like Google hundreds of thousands of dollars to be at the top. But since you just picked a name that no one has, that's like free Google right there. So smart. So you can find us at like a John Crow on Facebook, literally that. Uh, Our mascot's a plague doctor. So that's pretty funny. Oh, (laughs) That was another, I forgot, that was the other reason why we picked the name, like, that goes with the John Crow thing. So, basically, we have a heavy bird theme in our band. Okay, okay, like the birds. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so we have that, uh, John Crow on Facebook, you can find us on John Crow on, at Twitter, John Crow or John Crow Band on Twitter, and you can find us at John Crow Band on Instagram, and on Bandcamp, you can find us at johncrow.bandcamp.com, uh, we are updating our Spotify, so you can you'll be able to find us on Spotify as well. Uh, and yeah, I recommend. And if you you wondering what we sound like, we uh, rain. So I would say listen to the first EP we ever did, a split with the band called For You, and uh, listen to the ballad with Coda Brown. Okay, I will listen to that. So thank you for this interview. I'm so glad. I know I learned a lot. Hopefully the listeners learned a lot, but yeah, I always like to talk to interesting people and sort of educate people on things they may or may not know about and just give people a platform. So thank you for reaching out and had a great conversation. Oh, thank you. So kind of, thank you kindly for having me on. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. If you're a fan of the show, I have a really great offer for you. So I designed these logo pins based on the logo for my show. And I'm sending free pins out. That's right, free shipping, free everything. All you have to do is go to my website, stuffidontlike.net, and sign up for the mailing list. And I will send you a free pin. If for some reason you don't want to give me your physical address maybe you're in the cia maybe you know you live on a hippie commune in the woods and you don't even have an address that's cool too because you can still enter your email address and be added that way you won't receive a pin if i don't have your physical address but you will receive updates and exclusive content you'll be the first to know when i launch my ebook that's coming up called 30 dope reads which will just be a compilation of books that i love and would love for everyone to share and enjoy so yeah please go to the website stuff i don't like net and sign up for that and also remember that the podcast is now being posted every other sunday not every sunday and once again thanks for listening this is ray your host signing off see you guys later bye or i won't see you i'll hear you or you'll hear me but whatever you know what it means <laughs> bye